Hey, it's Sam. Thanks for checking out the podcast. I really appreciate everything that you guys do listening to the show. If you'd like to support the show even more, you can do it for free. If you're listening on Spotify, you can leave us a a rating. If you're listening on Apple, you can leave us a rating and a review. Wherever you're listening, please make sure that you're subscribed to the show and that you're downloading the show every single week. It really, really helps. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. There's new video going up every single week, absolutely for free. Check it out. And if you'd like to support the show financially and get a little bit more content for less than a dollar a week, you can become a Not Sam Shill at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. You'll get access to an additional episode of the Not Sam Wrestling podcast Every single week, you'll get access to our Discord room. You'll be able to see me recording the podcast live. Hey, depending on what tier you are, you can join me in a Zoom room every week. A lot of cool stuff happening at patreon.com slash Wrestling, Or you could skip all that and just enjoy the show. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, Sami Zayn continues to up the game of professional wrestling in general. Teddy Long goes on a blocking spree. MJF tells us everything that we want to know. And who is the White Rabbit? I've got my thoughts. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh boy, what a week to begin. Welcome, welcome to Not Sam Wrestling, everybody. Hope you guys are doing great. Welcome to episode 414. Hope uh, the fall is starting to kick in, unless you're in like Australia, in which case, I know in Australia, like, Summer and winter are reversed. So does that mean that sp- fall becomes spring? Do you guys get everything opposite or just just summer and winter? So like as we're going into fall, it would reason to believe that you're going into spring. Which fall is undeniably better than spring. Unfortunately, I have to say it. I'm sure you take a lot of pride and your Australian heritage. I can sing along. I know the words to Walsing Matilda. So I have plenty of love for Australia, but the facts are facts. And fall is better than spring. I love fall. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know why I love fall right now? Because it's a great fall for professional wrestling. Same reason why I loved summer this year. It was a great summer for professional wrestling. It's a great time for wrestling fans, and that's why it's a great time to be doing this show. I mean, look at what we had just this week in general. MJF is back on the scene doing interviews. Great interview with MJF and Ariel Helwane on the MMA Hour leading into AEW Grand Slam. Shout-outs to both those guys. Menches. I find it interesting, though, like I was watching, it was being reported that uh, MJF was able to get a, a raise from Tony Khan, that MJF was able to go back to the, the negotiating table and he was able to, to to get more money. He got what he wanted. He got more money and no contract extension. And you go, ooh, journalism, what are your sources? And they said, well, MJF did a clearly in-character interview on Ariel Hawani. I said, okay, all right, cool. That's good. That Look, look, I'm not saying it's not true. It could be true. I think that MJF is so new kayfabe 
It's almost old kayfabe again. That's part of the charm of MJF. He's one of the last people out there that can make us all believe. And that's what this is all about, ultimately. That's what wrestling is all about. That's what we want. We don't want to get tricked into believing. That's the difference. A lot of people think that that's what wrestling is, is tricking the audience into thinking that it's real. That's why you hear that from everybody that watches every form of fake entertainment on the planet, the admittedly fake entertainment and the fake entertainment that tries to not be fake. They all go wrestling. You know, that stuff is fake, right? I think every wrestling fan is far more aware of the agreed upon nature of the exchanges that we witness in whatever our chosen form of entertainment is than most general entertainment fans. I think when you tell a wrestling fan that a reality show is staged, it's not exactly shocking to them. When you tell a, a wrestling fan that two politicians that are fiercely debating each other on stage are gonna shake hands and get a cocktail with each other after the debate, wrestling fans are not shocked by this. We would something that we were raised with. <laughs> you, you learn to watch fake entertainment. We were born into this. We get it. We're not, that's not what wrestling has ever been about. Wrestling is not, hey, let's, let's, anymore, maybe back in the day day, it was. That's where Mark and Kayfabe and Carney and all this stuff came from. But wrestling ultimately is, is a place where it's the ultimate spot for audiences, I was going to say fans, but audiences to give in to the suspension of disbelief. We are, are, are willing to voluntarily suspend disbelief if you give us a good enough reason to. Take us on a journey. We want to suspend disbelief. We want to escape. We want to show up at an arena or turn on a pay-per-view or whatever it is and fall into this world that you create for us. Just don't leave any big gaping holes that take me out of it. I'm willing to accept in this, in this space that you've created for me, that you dictate the reality, but your reality needs to have logic behind it. There needs to be a logic to your reality that allows me to suspend my disbelief. When wrestling is great, we can suspend our disbelief and just go with whatever we're being told. I mean, I, I and that's why and I've talked about this before when lots of, you know, backstage drama becomes very, very public and breaks out and everybody kind of finds out about it and everybody's talking about it. Backstage drama is great when it leads to something on the screen. Backstage drama is great when it leads to a match or a pay-per-view or something, even if it takes some time, as long as eventually we get to this place where it's it's given us a, a a a product, it's great. But backstage drama, for the sake of backstage drama, just to get eyes and ears on the product, just to get people talking, is not great. You don't want people tuning in because they heard there was drama going on backstage. You want people tuning in because they heard there was drama going on backstage, and it's going to be resolved in the ring, and it is. And the supreme of all of it, and I've talked about this very recently, is that you want people tuning in because they want to see a resolution to drama that was created for them on screen. 
MJF before he went away was 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 a pro at that. MJF would would make you believe there was no separation between whoever MJF was off screen and who he was on screen. And you could debate it and you could theorize, is this real? Is this not real? It's all great. It's all gravy because it's all leading to story, performance, whatever you want to call it, matches, money, money. It's all leading to money. And that's what counts. In an ideal situation, what you want is people to be talking about the creative and the storylines that you are doing in wrestling. That's why I'm a fan of the White Rabbit. As a, as a wrestling fan, it seems like right now, the White Rabbit teases are all that any wrestling fan wants to talk about. Everybody's got theories about who it's about what it could mean, when it will result into something, why it's happening. Everybody, everybody looks like Charlie Day from Always Sunny, connecting the dots with the yarn all over their board. It's great. It's created a level of conversation that you want, and I think it's time we had that conversation. Look, it all started in such a wonderful way because, okay, listen, listen, White Rabbit could mean a lot of things. We know the white rabbit is coming, but what is the white rabbit? Clearly, it's Bad Bunny's way of being reintroduced, right? Triple H said to the world he was going to have conversations with Bad Bunny. What? What kind? Bad Bunny? What's the what's what's the reverse? What what? How is bad represented as a color? The dark. What's the reverse of that? The light. White. White. Bad Bunny. Rabbit. Bunny. Rabbit. Bad Bunny. White Rabbit. Hello. Come on, I'm telling, I'm not saying anything you're not seeing. It's not Bad Bunny. I don't think it's Bad Bunny. Although Triple H did say he was talking to Bad Bunny, so maybe it's Bad Bunny. Carrying Cross. People go, oh, uh, in case you didn't know, in Lucha Underground, Carrying Cross was part of a stable called White Rabbit. Boom, Carrying Cross. And I'm like, I. Cool. Number one, Carrying Cross is already presently engaged in an active storyline. And two, I don't know that a lot of the people that are watching SmackDown today were Lucha Underground fans. Lucha Underground is no longer in business. Not to say anything negative about Lucha Underground, it just didn't have as many eyes as it needed to have on it. So, where, what are we left with? Well, what is the White Rabbit, first of all? It all starts, you gotta love a mystery. A whodunit. A puzzle that you need to put together, but you can't even find the pieces for it. It all starts on SmackDown in California a couple of weeks ago. Uh, when during the commercial, not even on television, during the commercial, the song uh, White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane starts playing. Feed your head. We've all heard the song before. It's an iconic song. By the way, it's an incredible song. It's one of those songs that you're just transfixed by. You can sit in it. You can. It, 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 it's a song that that creates a world. Like you, you start listening to the lyrics. You can interpret the lyrics in a whole bunch of different ways. It's a. It's a formatically. It's not a verse. Uh, a verse, chorus, verse, chorus song. 
just as it's picking up into what you think is the chorus, that's the end of the song. It's two and a half minutes. It just builds and builds and builds. And it just sends you on this journey. I get goosebumps just thinking about it now because I was listening to it earlier today. I was getting goosebumps. I've always been a fan of that song. It's a drug song, you know. It's about doing drugs and the effects that drugs have on you and the way they, uh, they, they warp and change your mind. Of course, it's littered with Alice in Wonderland references, which a lot of people take the original Alice in Wonderland story to be a drug story, you know, LSD, things like that. There's a, there's a giant caterpillar that's, that's smoking a pipe. Who knows what's going on? You know, the Mad Hatter's there. We're going down. We're spinning. Is any of it real? Alice is 10 feet tall. The whole thing's happening, right? So this song uh, starts playing on SmackDown during the commercial break. And the only reason that we find out about it is because tweets start going out. Hey, this is interesting. Look what was playing during the commercial break of SmackDown. And by the way, while this song is playing, people start lighting their uh, cell phone lights up the way they used to do with a certain WWE superstar. Now, I think it's uh, very interesting that this tweet went out first because the first tweet that went out explaining that this was happening came from one Ryan Satin, who is a reporter, but he's a reporter who works for Fox, a direct partner of WWE. It's the type of thing where if you wanted a, a third party to get a message out there, it might be a good way to make sure that the message got out there, right? It's, uh, it's about as independent a journalist tweeting it as if I tweeted it. That's the type of story it would be if I broke the story, right? So Ryan Satin sends that out, and already it's like if Ryan Satin is sending it, there's a there's a possibility that there's something else here. Maybe he just saw something interesting. He tweeted it out. It's his Twitter account. But also, maybe not. And why are they playing this? Then the ball starts rolling, and, and, and people uh, uh, start hearing the song after SmackDown at live events that weekend, Saturday and Sunday. In between matches, White Rabbit starts playing. And it's really interesting when you watch these videos of how the song was played. Because number one, it is not the original Jefferson Airplane version. The instrumental is cut out. So it is just the acapella of the, it's just the vocals of the song that's, that, that's playing through the arena. The whole song, to my knowledge, in, in, in most of the instances, if not all of the instances, uh, they started playing. And, and there's this one moment where it, it, as the song is hitting a climax, the singer sings, just shouts, remember. And as, as, as she says, remember. While the lights had been dimmed for the entire song, red light just starts going through all the big lighting sources in the arena. As soon as she says, remember, we see red lights shining. The type of red lights that were associated only a couple of years ago with a certain WWE superstar. So this continues, the red lights, the song, everything. Everything. We get to Monday Night Raw seven days ago. And Austin Theory is backstage. I think he was preparing for his match, whatever he was doing. Something not associated, unless it was associated with Austin Theory, uh, happens. A QR code just happens to be taped to the wall. It looks like it could be a mistake. 
Maybe it's a, a, a scan uh, for people to scan for, for parking. Maybe it's employee parking. We don't know. But us wrestling fans, we're curious and we're smart asses. So if it is a mistake, we'd like to take full advantage of it. But we start, we scan the code. All of us were watching Raw. We scan the code. And when we scan the code, we realize that this could be something similar to when we saw hints of Dexter Loomis returning to WWE. And, and we saw, you know, trash can on fire, security guards running by, a car crash. Could be when we saw Braun Strowman returning to WWE before he returned in a segment earlier, we, there just happened to be a car flipped over in the parking lot. Little instances, right? And we realize, oh, this is an Easter egg. This was meant to be there because when we click on the QR code on our phones, a, 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 a hangman a, a graphic comes up. Well, it says, it says, uh, it, first it says, feed your head with a, with a white rabbit on it. And you go, oh boy, this is the white rabbit. This is it. This is the thing. It's not just a song because we were like, maybe Triple H just likes the song and he's been playing it at events, but nope. A white rabbit shows up. It says, feed your head. It goes into this uh, game of hangman. And the white rabbit is going letter by letter, choosing letters. And some of them are correct and some of them are incorrect. And with each incorrect letter, a different body part of the hangman gets drawn where the noose is. Uh, the first five letters that the rabbit picks are D, E, M, O, and N. And the question that it says on top, the clue is who killed the world? Apparently the rabbit thought maybe it was a demon, but he was wrong because some of those letters did not appear in the puzzle. In fact, the puzzle spelled out the words you did. Who killed the world? You did. And as the rabbit is picking those letters, there is a, 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 an hourglass in one corner of the screen. And it's got a, a, a red circle around it. And after the game is solved, a, a, a thing pops up that, that it's, it says nine decimal point 23. It almost looks like a clock, 9.23. And then it flashes and it changed, the 923 stays there, but instead of a dot, it becomes a colon. So 9.23 signifies a date. 9.23 signifies a time. So we're getting September 23rd. We're getting 9.23, okay? September 23rd, we do the math, uh, Friday. September 23rd is Friday, but we don't know. 9.23. This airs on Raw in the 8 o'clock hour, Eastern time. Is 9.23 tonight? Is 9.23 on 9.23? I don't know what's going on. Forgive the interruption, guys, but I don't know if you've checked the calendar recently. You're noticing that it's getting colder in the air. We talked about the seasons changing earlier. That's because it's fresh ball fall, yep. It's the season of pumpkin spice and making sure that your crotch looks nice. That means sipping cider in a fall breeze and using Manscaped products to trim your balls with ease. That's right. Today's show is brought to you by Manscaped, a company here to make sure that your foliage isn't the only thing 
shedding its excess leaves. Heck, even Mother Nature knows it's time to lose the excess clutter for fall. Join the six million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code not Sam. Look, nothing makes you feel better than knowing that you're prepared for every situation. And that means being able to present your nether regions. Manscaped allows you to present your nether regions with such confidence that that confidence will continue to permeate through everything that you do in life. I'm talking about the Platinum Package 4.0. I'm talking about the package that makes your package look platinum, huh? 10 parts, everything you need, the lawnmower 4.0, body trimmer, and weed whacker, nose and air hair trimmer. Those are in the package. I'm talking about uh, in addition to shaving, you can completely upgrade your shower routine with the ultra premium body wash and ultra premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner because let's face it, you could have your balls groomed to perfection, but if you stink, it's not going to matter. That's why you also need the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to make sure that your go-to smell is top shelf and not sweaty balls. I mean, even if your armpits don't stink, if you've got an oniony aroma coming from your, your testicles, no, 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 you're out of luck. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the code not sam that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use code not sam manscaped clear out the leaves it's your tree trunks time to shine whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top notch performance that's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And we start looking even more closely at everything that's happening. And we go, we go, well, that, 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 that hourglass, that could, that could mean carrying cross. Carrying cross was in a faction called White Rabbit. There's an hourglass there. Carrying cross and Scarlet, they love hourglasses. But at the same time, there's a red ring around the hourglass. And that red ring is in the Twitter bio of the same former WWE superstar who would use red light before uh, uh, and sometimes during all of their matches would make all kinds of Alice in Wonderland references in promos leading up to matches. In fact, 
at one point was literally dressed as the Mad Hatter as he sat in the Firefly Funhouse. So much so that Mattel released an action figure in the WWE Superstars line of this superstar dressed as the Mad Hatter, of course. I'm talking about the same superstar who, while yes, never used an hourglass, an hourglass signifies time. And he did at one point on one episode of Monday Night Raw sing the song, time is on your side. I'm talking about Bray Wyatt. Of course I'm talking about Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt is the superstar that all signs point to and all signs would would have to point to as you're looking at all these clues. We get to 923. I was looking at that clock, man. We get to 923. We're in the middle of a tag team match on Monday Night Raw. And I go, okay, so he's not going to debut tonight. What is that? And I see walking across hard cam side, some gentleman has a sign. And by the way, I hit pause trying to look at that gentleman's head to see if I recognized him. Maybe dreadlocks sticking out of the back of his head. I don't know. Didn't see any. Holding a sign with a QR code on it. Scan that QR code and a graphic comes up that just says, come with me. Once again, number one, come with me. Not that it's definitely, but somewhat, I, I always think of Willy Wonka. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. I think there are, that you could certainly, especially Firefly Funhouse Bray, make a lot of similarities to the sort of uh, uh, happy, friendly, childlike, but almost demonic, creepy, and unsettling way of being that Willy Wonka had. I think that that same thing you could see in 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 Bray and the way that that Willy Wonka would use candy to 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 lure people in that he would he would create this world all around him. You know who creates worlds around them? You know who creates their own version of a utopia and asks you to join but then locks the door because nobody ever goes in and nobody ever comes out? Cult leaders, sociopaths. People like all incarnations of Bray Wyatt. So we go to uh, SmackDown. And this is very interesting because before SmackDown, we get a leak. There's a leak in the system and a new code is dropped, or, or, or the code isn't dropped, but somebody on Reddit leaks what is going to be the new White Rabbit clue. And the new White Rabbit clue is uh, it's it's a it's a it's an animated game. The White Rabbit has to go through almost a a, a, a Pac-Man type of maze. And I tried to look at the shape of the maze. I couldn't really find anything, but who knows what's there? Because the rabbit's got to go through the maze, and he's got to avoid fire. He's got to avoid fire to get to a red door, which we've seen the red door. Signified before, of course, not only with Bray Wyatt, but with Alice in Wonderland and, and all that stuff. And when he gets through the red door, we see a picture of the rabbit. We see in this original version, the word coal, C-O-A-L, not C-O-L-E, because if that were the case, I'd say, Michael Cole, you goddamn white rabbit, you. I've caught you. But no, C-O-A-L, which is the substance that people use to 
keep fire burning, maybe, who knows? Um, and then under it, uh, uh, coordinates, geographic coordinates. And if you look at those geographic coordinates, it takes you to Roger's place in Edmonton, Canada, which is the location for Monday Night Raw this Monday night, tonight. So we realized like, okay, now we're following the rabbit. We're following the clues that the rabbit is, is leaving behind. That Reddit account was apparently created and deleted for the sole purpose of leaking this video, this teaser. Was it leaked on purpose? My guess is yes. It's important though that you keep paying attention because on SmackDown, Hit Row is backstage and we see in the monitor, there's a QR code behind Hit Row. They're not paying any attention to it, but I was. And I click on it and it's the same animation that we saw leaked earlier. But instead of the word coal, the word patricide is put up there. Of course, patricide meaning the act of killing one's father, the Latin patra, you know, father, side, homicide, patricide, the whole thing. So patriarch, you know, patra. So, uh, and I go, huh, patricide, huh? I go, okay, all right. Demon, coal, patricide. Patricide can mean a lot of things. Patricide. I mean, the word doesn't mean a lot of things. The word only means one thing, but just to put out there that patricide is something that the white rabbit is interested in. Well, who is the white rabbit's father? Because I want to warn this guy. And I go, who is the white rabbit's father? Well, if the white rabbit is the person that we all think it is, Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt was a creation, sure, of Wyndham Rotunda, but realistically, Bray Wyatt came to life at the hands of the of the same man who said, listen, Bray Wyatt is one of the most amazingly creative people that I've ever done business with, but he needs to be reined in. He needs somebody to keep him in check. That's almost what a father would do. Bray Wyatt was born when NXT was the baby of Triple H, you could easily say that Bray Wyatt is one of the Triple H kids. The same way you could say that Sasha Banks is a Triple H kid. Charlotte Flair is a Triple H kid. Bailey's a Triple H kid. Bray Wyatt is a Triple H kid. And I'm 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 not saying it is or it isn't. But we talk about new kayfabe and the way things are done in interviews. When Triple H was interviewed by Ariel Hawani, he would have known that Bray Wyatt was going to come up. What he said about Bray was flattering, but I found to be, I mean, I would have taken, if I'm Bray, especially, you know, if I take pride in what I do, I would have taken it to be a little condescending. If somebody goes like, man, Sam is great, but he's got to be reined in. I'd go, you know what? Go fuck yourself. That's what I would say. That's my. That would be my response as a performer. I'd go, how about you don't give yourself credit 
for reining me in? How about you give me the credit for being me, right? Well, what if, what if Triple H was planting a seed there? What if Triple H is the arguable father of Bray Wyatt was planting a seed that there was resentment from Bray that that maybe 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 when Bray Wyatt was working for Vince McMahon and Vince McMahon was was making the fiend do things that the fiend really shouldn't have done and one would argue ruining elements of the fiend character what if bray sees triple h his father as not being there maybe he sees it as a betrayal maybe he sees it as a cause for patricide i don't know there's a lot of of theories about the white rabbit look to me the question is not who is the superstar that is portraying the white rabbit. Clearly, we're going to see it uh, continue to unfold. And there's always wrestling, right? You never know. There's always a chance that it's not Bray Wyatt. But it's Bray Wyatt. It's clearly Bray Wyatt. When I ask you the question, who is the white rabbit? The question is not, the answer is not Bray Wyatt. That's not the answer I'm looking for. Who is the white rabbit refers to what does this version of Bray Wyatt look like? Who is this version of Bray Wyatt? I got to 923 on SmackDown and I didn't see any 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 clue. Although right around 923 is when Scarlett lit that fireball. There was fire in the maze. I don't know. But look, the question is not, is this Bray coming back? The question is what story? is Bray telling coming back. For me, the exciting part of watching the White Rabbit unfold is not, oh, I wonder if it's gonna be Bray. It's what story is being told. It's when that one word, patricide, sends me down a rabbit hole, which is what this is all about. Because when you look at Bray Wyatt's characters, and I did a, a whole podcast right after Bray Wyatt was released, diving in and being analytical about who Bray Wyatt was as a character. Because people talk about the different incarnations, but it's all one character. Bray is Wyndham, who is Husky, who is the Fiend. The Fiend is a remarkable character and Firefly Funhouse Bray is a remarkable character in the world of professional wrestling because it is so ridiculous, so over the top, so supernatural. It's a horror movie villain. He's not selling anything. You can't hurt him. He can live through this. He can live through that. And while all this is going on, the subtext of the story that he is telling is as real as anything has ever been in wrestling. One theory that people have had is that, oh, maybe this will be a, another faction. I don't think Bray needs a faction. The Wyatt family was the Wyatt family. I don't, Bray is telling the story of Wyndham Rotunda in this world of professional wrestling. And that Wyatt family is part of it, but we've moved beyond it. We are watching a man 
dictate to us the documentation of his career as it happens in real time. I've heard people go, well, maybe the puppets are gonna be turning into real people. Maybe maybe uh, uh, Dexter Loomis and Karrion Cross and Braun Strowman, maybe they're all gonna come together and form a new family. And one of them, you know, Scarlet can be Abby the Witch. And, and it's like, yes, that, that can be a thing that happens, but it wouldn't acknowledge the fact that the puppets already are real people. The puppets are Bray. The puppets always were Bray. The puppets always have been Bray, except for the boss, that's Vince. But all the other puppets who don't look like Vince McMahon, who look like cartoon characters, that they're Bray. Ramblin' Rabbit is Bray rambling through promos. All these puppets are Bray's shortcomings, you know? Waylon the Buzzard, the reason that he's named Waylon is that it, 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 it keys in on Bray's insecurity over the fact that when Bray Wyatt was telling people to follow the Buzzards, he was doing an impression of Waylon Mercy. That when Bray started getting away from Waylon Mercy and doing his own thing and he'd do these overly complicated promos, he was a rambling rabbit. He was a he, he was rambling. That's not a compliment. Huskus the pig eating all those chocolates with his weight band on. That's Husky Harris, Wyndham, who was an incredibly athletic guy, who was an incredibly strong guy, but he was overweight. I mean, if you can't see that Huskus is Husky, boom, it's right there in front of you. Firefly Funhouse Bray told us the story of how he got there. I think that the most remarkable thing that Bray did in the Fiend era ever was actually the match that you get. If you have the WWE Network, if you live outside of the United States or you have a, uh, uh, what's it called, IP, and you can get access to the WWE Network internationally. And you look up White Rabbit. The only thing that comes up is the Firefly Funhouse match from WrestleMania 36, I guess it was. That's the only thing that comes up. But to me, it's everything that the Firefly Funhouse Bray Fiend character was. Because in that match, Bray, in that character, took us on a journey through his mind and through his insecurities. The Firefly Funhouse, once you went in there, that's what it was. It was a journey through the most vulnerable, dark parts of your brain. And at WrestleMania, John stepped into the Firefly Funhouse, John Cena. And he had to take the journey that Bray went on to be who he was when he was the fiend. John Cena had to go on that journey where he saw all his insecurities. He saw the fact that he could have turned heel like Hulk Hogan and become Hollywood, and he never did. That he failed when he first showed up on SmackDown and said ruthless aggression. 
He saw all of it and ultimately was conquered by Bray Wyatt. But that's not who's coming back at the end of these white rabbit clues. I think the person that's coming back is the white rabbit. I think the person that's coming back isn't coming back. He's coming for the first time. He's never been in the WWE the same way that when the Firefly Funhouse began, that while, yes, we'd seen Bray Wyatt before, we hadn't seen this Bray Wyatt before, this honest Bray Wyatt, this Bray Wyatt that through this device was taking us through his his brain. Well, what happened when that device, that character, becomes one of the most popular things in wrestling and then somehow gets manipulated to the point where it loses all of the spirit that it once had. Because as much as Bray Wyatt and The Fiend are associated with incredible creativity and unbelievable character work and doing things in wrestling that hadn't been done before and doing them effectively, The Fiend and Bray Wyatt is also associated with the dumbest Hell in a Cell finish of all time. With uh, Goldberg going to Saudi Arabia and beating him in just a moment that let the air out of the tires of the entire wrestling community. Of the just dumbest Randy Orton storyline that the either one of those amazing human beings have ever been a part of. And then, and then, as he was selling merchandise, as he was a part of key storylines, as he was main eventing through a pandemic, he was fired. He was released. He was told, Bray, you are not worth the money that we're paying you, so you can go. We're not gonna give it to you anymore. And then, as he sat at home, he watched Alexa Bliss who had only grown as an act with him for a period of time, continue on with this Firefly thing while he no longer collected a paycheck from the company. I don't think Alexa Bliss is involved anymore in this uh, angle because I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't think, the reason I don't know that Alexa Bliss is involved in the White Rabbit thing is because I don't know that Alexa Bliss is is involved in the in the story of of people who betrayed Bray from Bray's perspective. You could say, well, she kept doing the gimmick, she kept doing it, but I think anybody with a logical brain would say, Alexa still had a job, she had to do it. And I think anybody with a logical brain would say that that there is no resentment that Bray would logically have for Alexa. I mean, you could tell that story. If you wanted Bray to be one of those guys who, you know, things don't work out for him and he just hates everybody else for their success. But I don't think that's the story that's being told. Because I think the story that's being told is one that people can relate to. The story that's being told is somebody was was treated in a way that was unfair. And I think that that that's the that's the venom, that's the fire that fuels 
the white rabbit. And that's the, that's the dark place that maybe the white rabbit is trying to avoid. But it's so clearly there. When bad things happen to us that we feel are unfair, it doesn't do us any good to dwell on those things. But man, can it be difficult to move on. And maybe that's the journey of the white rabbit. I don't know. But I do know that I'm not wondering who the physical body is going to be that is portraying this white rabbit character. What I'm wondering is, what does Bray Wyatt look like now? And in a world where in real life, Triple H is the one that's helping telling the stories, do do we get to see a Bray Wyatt story? Because Bray Wyatt, this is, this is his third time at bat. Third time up at bat. <coughs> Excuse me. The first two started real strong and ended poorly. The Wyatt family started really strong. Went straight to a rivalry with John Cena and went nowhere. The Fiend started incredibly strong, won the WWE Championship. Ultimately went nowhere. What does a Bray Wyatt in 2022 telling his story in a 2022 WWE look like? That, that is what we uncover when we uncover the mystery of the White Rabbit. I can't wait for it, man. I can't wait. Speaking of uncovering mysteries, uh, this is one that looks to be uncovered. So I looked on the internet uh, over the weekend and Teddy Long was trending. Teddy Long was, was, was and, and that's not something that happens all that often. Teddy Long was one, of the, was one of the top trends on Twitter. I said, what's happening? And people started talking about Teddy Long blocking people. Apparently Teddy Long was on a blocking spree. And I went, oh no, playa. What is Teddy doing? Well, of course, I went and checked. I got to read what Teddy Long is tweeting about, that he wants all these people blocked. And you know what I found? Nothing. I couldn't get in. I was locked out. I was blocked by Teddy Long. Yes, I know. I can't believe it either. But I, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, was blocked by Teddy Theodore Long. I just said, what could I have done to Teddy? What could I have done that's gotten him so upset? And then I looked, I looked online. Who else is blocked by this guy? And I saw it was a lot of people that I know to be wonderful human beings. Renee Young was blocked by Teddy Long. X-Pac, one of my favorite people in the universe, X-Pac, was blocked by Teddy Long. I think Swerve was blocked by Teddy Long. Swerve is just a gem of a person blocked by Teddy Long. I said, what the hell's going on? What is happening? Well, we got this video on Sunday. Teddy Long took some time out of his uh, gym routine to let us know exactly uh, what was happening. Here's what he said. Hey, what's up, players? WWE Hall of Famer Teddy Long. Just wanted to get on here this morning uh, and let uh, everybody know, as you know, I'm right here at LA Fitness, my second home. 
Uh, somebody hacked my Twitter account. Uh, I have no idea who it was. I think who, it was somebody that I blocked that was mad because I blocked them and then they wanted to hack my shit and block everybody else. Well, I want to thank them because the first thing they did, they got me trending. So this is like the third time I've ever been trending. So that tells me, Teddy Long, you still got it. But let me explain this to you, players. I didn't block anybody. Like I said, it might have been that person that hacked me. I might have blocked him and you can see why I blocked him. So my Twitter is verified, so I didn't block anybody. So uh, you, I don't want y'all mad at me and I'll be coming maybe next week. We'll talk further about this. I'll be doing uh, maybe a couple of podcasts uh, and we'll be talking more about it. But I didn't block anybody, so I'm letting y'all know it was not me. My, my Twitter was hacked and uh, players, I love all y'all. All right, let me try to get this workout in. And uh, I'm gonna give you a little peep here. I'm getting ready to do some ab work. <laughs> and let's see here. Uh, we got about, we got about 295 there. Jeez. So we got 295 pounds on the uh, ab, ab machine here. So we're gonna get ready to do that. All right, like I said, just wanted to clear the air. I didn't block it. It wouldn't mean somebody hacked my shit. So y'all keep it sweet today and stay safe. Holler at a player. I will holla at a player, Teddy. If I see you, I will holla. Because I got some questions, Teddy. That's why I'll holla. I got some questions. First of all, I love that he's a true wrestler. He's a true carny. Number one, puts himself over for what he's doing on the ab machine. I respect that. I would be paying. My Twitter account got hacked. I'd be panicking. I'd be on the phone with customer support. I'd be trying to. I certainly wouldn't be at LA Fitness. And the last thing on my mind, yeah, my Twitter account got hacked. But hey, look what I'm doing on the ab machine over here. I, uh, good for Teddy Long. The other thing, he is a wrestler's wrestler because he realized that he got himself over. whatever For whatever reason, people were interested. He was trending. Teddy got himself some heat. Teddy got over uh, over the weekend, so he knows. It's not all bad. Here's my problem. Teddy Long says uh, he got hacked. Okay. All right. You got hacked. Well, let me ask you this, Teddy Long. Why the hell am I still blocked then, Teddy Long, okay? Because he says he's verified, and I know he's verified. Teddy Play Along, I believe, is his Twitter name. But let me tell you something. I go like this. Oh, thank God. He was just hacked. He's got his account back. Let me go check about what he's tweeting. I'm still blocked, bro. So, if you're hacked, unhack yourself then. Let me explain something, okay? All these people getting Twitter hacked, and I know it could still happen, and it could happen to anybody. I don't think anybody should be going and getting egotistical about whether or not they can get hacked. But three simple characters. 2FA. Two-factor authentication. Some people use phones. I don't love phones. I have a 2FA app. I have a UB key. I have my accounts locked up. You can't just lo- you can't just guess the password. You just guess the password, you go right in. No. Because even if you guess the password or you get smartened up, tipped off to it somehow. And by the way, I got different password for every account. I got many different characters, caps, no caps, percentage signs, all kinds, ampersands. I got ampersands, okay? But even if you get it, I got that second factor, okay? You need my app to get my codes or you need my UB key or you need something. There are some apps that make you use your phone. I don't even like the texting for 2FA. Because if somebody takes my SIM card and makes a copy of it, they can get my text and get the 2FA. Nope, nope, no playa. I was born at night, but not last night. And let me tell you something right now, Teddy Long, unless you can explain to me why. You know you were hacked, but you can't unblock me. 
I might need to get my revenge. And in order to do that, it's going to be a tag team match, playa. I'm not happy about it. Uh, he needs to be unblocking people. If he's if he was hacked, says he was hacked, he's hacked. He needs to be unblocking people. Oh, all right, man. Shout outs to Sami Zayn. The stuff that he did on SmackDown. Uh, so over the top good. The whole Bloodline segment. Solo Sokoa has found a very unique place for himself. Jay Uso is just doing God. Talk about God mode. Jay Uso is just operating from a different place at this point. Roman Reigns is as comfortable in a ring on a microphone as I am in my bed. He's amazing. And Sami Zayn is like a Hollywood actor with this stuff. The facial expressions that he was making on SmackDown. One of these podcasts, we're going to do an entire breakdown on the Sami Zayn character and how we got to the place that we're at because it is absolutely fascinating. Oh, Sami Zayn just doing lifetime career work right now. It is so, we should all be grateful that we're getting to bear witness to this version of Sami Zayn because it is truly a treat. It really is a treat. It's awesome. There are rumors popping up this week that CM Punk might get a buyout from his AEW deal. Woo! That's Sam Roberts. Royal Rumble WrestleMania SummerSlam plan is looking more and more like a possibility. Oh, Phil, let's see. Hey, let's get to the emails. Uh, I don't want to keep rambling like a rambling rabbit and uh, not get to any of the emails. I hate when we miss them. Email me, notsamwrestling at gmail.com. That's notsamwrestling at gmail.com. And uh, I will get to them on the air if I deem they are airworthy. Kevin wrote in from Atlantic City. Sam, I listen uh, every Monday for hundreds and hundreds of Mondays. Yes. I'm curious. Your thoughts with Seth Rollins constantly uh, taking his promos to the Universal Undisputed Championship on why is it never acknowledged uh, that Seth beat Roman at 2022? Royal Rumble. Granted by DQ, but a one versus one win versus Roman, I believe his only one-on-one loss in the run. It was never really acknowledged. Thanks. Okay, Kevin. Well, here are my thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, there. if you look at it, Roman Reigns has never beaten Seth Rollins. He hasn't. And I think that's being done deliberately. So one thing that I have found specifically with Triple H's style of creative storytelling is that uh, many things are all happening at the same time, that there are are, are layered stories being told. Uh, I love that Seth keeps bringing up Roman and the Undisputed Universal Championship because he's not doing it in a way that we know. It's like, ah, at the pay-per-view, I'm going to come get you. It's this looming threat that we know that even after Roman is done with Logan Paul or, or Sami Zayn or Jay, whatever's going on, that in front of him, he's got Seth Rollins that keeps bringing up his name and Kevin Owens that keeps bringing up his name. That we could sit here and have that conversation. Hey, who do you think is next to face uh, uh, Roman Reigns? 
And it's like, well, if you listen to Kevin Owens' promos, it's Kevin Owens. If you listen to Seth Rollins' promos, it's Seth Rollins. Maybe both of them. Maybe neither. Maybe it's somebody else. Maybe it's Karrion Cross. You know, maybe it's this White Rabbit character. Who knows? I think the reason to answer your question that it's not acknowledged that Seth beat Roman is because I think that the story that they're trying to tell with Roman Reigns is that he is unbeaten. I don't think they want to highlight any defeats that Roman has had because the stories that he has going into his matches are, I've beaten everybody and I'm going to beat you too. That It's all about presentation, right? When he goes in and he faces Logan Paul, it's going to be every single person has stepped up to the plate and every single person has fallen and I've walked out with the title every single time. I don't think it makes sense to bring up that Seth Rollins, that he's never beaten Seth Rollins or that Seth Rollins has the DQ victory over him until we're actually going to do the Roman-Seth match. If we're actually going to do the Roman-Seth match, then let's do it. But, you know, Logan Paul or whoever, I don't care if it's Drew McIntyre. Let's go back to Drew McIntyre. If, if Drew McIntyre can beat Roman Reigns, the story has to be Drew is the one guy that can beat Roman Reigns, not Drew and Seth are the two guys that can beat Roman Reigns. Beating Roman Reigns is you're going to be the one guy that can beat Roman Reigns. So I think that the DQ loss is going to be highlighted in that way. He's never beaten Seth Rollins. I don't think the highlight is going to be that Seth Rollins has beaten him because it is a cheesy DQ victory anyway, but also because when somebody finally does beat Roman Reigns, they're in a club by themselves. I think that that's important. Um, let's keep it moving. Not Sam Wrestling at gmail.com. Rocky G, can you explain the logic here? I'll bet I can. On Raw or SmackDown, a wrestler will destroy an expensive car for apparently a cheap pop. Examples. Austin drove Rock's uh, Rock's car. Austin destroy drove over Rock's car. He destroyed Vince McMahon's car with cement. Brock Lesnar destroys a car with an axe. What is the logic in destroying a thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar car for thirty seconds of TV time? Uh, to me, seems like little return on investment. Well, I think a few things. I think that hopefully, between television and merchandise and tickets and everything else you're making more than $50,000 on these superstars and these moments will really elevate that. Secondly, I would have to imagine that there's some kind of insurance that they have on the vehicles that probably helps uh, cover some of that cost. I don't know where you get insurance for pouring cement into a vehicle on purpose, but I'm sure that insurance exists for it. But no, I mean, I think ultimately the fact that Austin destroyed Vince McMahon's car with cement. 30 seconds of TV time that we are still talking about 30 years later. We're still talking about that moment. I can still hear the sounds of the glass popping out of those cars. You know, it's like, it's an investment. It's an investment in the show. It's, it's like, we're going to spend whatever it is. That's why movies cost what movies cost. We're going to spend $500,000 on this episode of Monday Night Raw, a million dollars on this episode of Monday Night Raw. And what we're going to get back is ticket sales. And what we're going to get back is advertising. And what we're going to get back is an interest in the product that is going to carry over. The interest in that segment will carry over throughout multiple segments and multiple episodes, hopefully. So I think it's, it's, it's about not looking at, at it through the small lens, but saying what's the bigger picture of this 
and, and looking at the value that way. Michael writes in, uh, uh, hey, Sam, here's how I would handle Sasha Banks and Naomi's return to WWE. Let's assume they're ready to return this year. I would have Naomi come back alone, shock the world, and win the SmackDown Women's Championship in a way that would have the fans angry, confused, and asking where the hell Sasha is. Okay. Next Friday, we reveal that Paul Heyman was the one who made the return possible and that she joined the bloodline and she goes out to the ring with Paul Heyman and on her promo calls Sasha Banks selfish and says that Sasha betrayed her because when they initially left, uh, they had a vision, but Sasha then started doing things without her uh, and have uh, Paul add some juice into the story. Obviously, the internet wrestling community and people who think they know the business are going to think Sasha is going to return to Survivor Series because it's uh, taking place in her hometown. And then Naomi has a match at the pay-per-view. She cheats and wins after the match. Sasha Banks music plays. Nobody comes out. We all realize Naomi is playing us. Then, because she doesn't care about them, then she grabs the microphone and continues to tell the story and the crowd how selfish and self-centered Sasha is and keeps on saying Sasha is not going to come back uh, because she doesn't care about them and she thinks she's bigger than the business. The best thing about this is she doesn't actually say her name. She keeps on calling her the other girl. The fans think she's coming back at the Rumble, but no, and during this whole time... Um, we're linking stories to wrestling journalists. The WWE offered both Sasha and Naomi contracts, but Naomi had a better deal, and Sasha was going to be used to put talent over to get people talking and just to add more heat on Naomi. Oh, and with Sasha, uh, we're we leak in videos of the media trying to get stories about this whole situation, but she's ignoring every question about WWE. She eventually comes back at the last pay-per-view before WrestleMania. Then they go on and have a match at WrestleMania. This helps launch a thousand Sasha and Naomi matches. But I had I had more, but this email is too dang long already. What do you think of all this? Well, okay. Okay. Number one, I've never been a huge I don't first I've never been a huge fan of Naomi in the bloodline. People have brought this up. I'm not a fan of Naomi in the bloodline for a couple of reasons. Number one, the bloodline. Like, the reason, like, Sami Zayn is obviously an outlier. He's the honorary oos, right? But uh, the bloodline is blood. Not related by marriage. Blood is the, so, you know, I mean, I guess you could look past it because the Anawai family in wrestling is, of course, linked by marriage, right? But, but I think more importantly than all of that is that Naomi... I don't think she'll ever work as a villain. People like Naomi. Naomi is a likable person. Naomi comes across as somebody that you want to root for. Naomi has not been given the opportunity that matches her skill level. There's nothing about Naomi that makes me want to boo her. I can't get behind this idea that Naomi is going to be one of these ego, I'm better than everybody else people the way the bloodline are. That's number one. Number two, there's no way if Sasha Banks is not signed to WWE that Naomi is talking about Sasha Banks on television for October, November, December, January, for four months. 
Nobody's going to believe that Sasha Banks is not signed to WWE if Naomi's talking about her on TV for four months. And I don't know. I don't know if people want to see Naomi versus Sasha Banks. Maybe they do. I think people want to root for both those women. I think people want to cheer for Sasha Banks and Naomi. I also think that Sasha Banks is a more natural heel than Naomi. I think that if you if you need to do a story about Sasha Banks and Naomi, I think what you can sell people on is maybe the idea of Sasha Banks coming back and going like, I left the other one behind, blah, 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 blah. And then Naomi shows up in a month out of nowhere to get her revenge on Sasha Banks, you know, and go like, you know, you, you said this would be a good idea, then you left me in the lurch, blah, blah, blah. Like, that I could see, but... Yeah, I can't really see this other way. Uh, Ricky's room, the rabbit of it all, he says. Uh, Sam, my man, what's the haps? What's the haps, Ricky? Okay, so I've been doing some thinking, uh, and with us speculating that all these QR codes, lights flickering, and trippy music is leading to the Bray Wyatt return, what if he's technically already been back for a couple of months? We have Dexter Loomis and Karrion Cross who have been uh, taking out people. Who could either be a threat to, to who could either be a threat to Bray, even if not a threat, but they are doing his bidding by spreading fear and destruction around the WWE. If not both of them, then at least Loomis would be a great fit with Bray. Just throwing things out there. I don't think this is what's happening, but I'm taking full credit. <laughs> um, I don't think that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let me know what you think. Thanks for reading. Uh, yeah. Okay. So. People have brought that up about Karrion Cross and stuff. I don't think Karrion Cross should be a part of anybody's faction right now. You know, Karrion Cross is trying to portray himself as a a the top dog, a world title contender. So the idea that he's a henchman for Bray Wyatt, I don't think works for me with Karrion Cross. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the thing about Dexter Loomis is people are acting when they when people bring up the idea that Dexter and Bray could be together, people are acting like Dexter Loomis hasn't been going after the Miz this whole time. Like Dexter Loomis has been a babyface since he came back, right? Like people are enjoying Dexter Loomis. They think he's fun. Nobody's scared of Dexter Loomis. They think he's fun. And he's like, you know, stalking a bad guy. They like seeing the Miz scared. They like seeing Dexter Loomis pop up from under the ring. You know, there, there's something about that. There's there's a there's a kitschiness to it that I think that Bray is trying to avoid. I also, like I said earlier in the podcast today, wouldn't have Bray as a member of a faction right now. Uh, Shiamo, my guy. Hey, Sam, I'm pretty interested. You love, a, this dude, love, you love a ranking. You love a ranking. Hey, Sam, I'm pretty interested in knowing, in your opinion, who are the four greatest women wrestlers of all time? Here's who I view worthy of that honor. Io Shirai. Whoa. Manami Toyota. Okay. Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. Um, well, Bull Nakano, obviously. Uh, Charlotte Flair, for sure. Um, Bull Nakano, Charlotte Flair... Maybe Trish Stratus. Um, I don't want to forget anybody. Bull Nakano. 
Charlotte Flair, Trish Stratus, and um, I mean, say Becky Lynch, right? You're not gonna put Ronda Rousey on there. You could say Lita, but I don't know. I almost don't want to say Becky Lynch because I, I I'm trying to go to different uh, eras in wrestling, and I don't want to do. I mean, it's tough because you know the the current women. I mean, wrestling women's wrestling has just evolved so much. I get okay. All right, here's what I'll do. I mean, obviously, I'm going to do Bull Nakano, right? So I'm going to do Bull Nakano. Trish Stratus, Charlotte Flair, and Megumi Kudo. Because I love that death match. She's in an exploding barbed wire death match in FMW. Megumi Kudo. That's my fourth. Sorry, that's what I'm putting on my Mount Rushmore. I don't, I, I mean, I, that's not, it's not an official Mount Rushmore. It's a spur of the moment Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Uh, and Matt. In St. Louis. Um, hey, Sam. I think most of us agree with you that Mania ends up being some iteration of Cody and or Rock versus Roman. But is there a road that takes us to Sammy versus Roman main event? I still stand by the fact that Sammy versus Knoxville match the top three match of Mania weekend. The dude hits nothing but home runs. The t-shirt segment on SmackDown showed how over he is with the fans. Do you think there's a reasonable possibility of a yes movement, Kofi Mania-esque path for Sammy to hold those titles? Oh, thank you. First of all, I love that that's how you close the email. Um, I, I Roman is such a different beast. It's possible. I don't think that they were ready for Sami Zayn to be even as over as he is, and I think he's only going to get more over. So I'm not saying that that's impossible at all. I think that the idea is to go with Jay Uso versus Sami Zayn. But who knows? That's one of those things where both those guys are the type of guys to defy expectations in such a way where you have to put them in the main event. Look, at this point, the Sami Zayn thing is working out so well that I would not be at all surprised if Sami ends up staying with the bloodline and Jay Uso ends up getting thrown out. Obviously, somebody's getting thrown out of his faction. That's where we're going. But I would not be at all surprised if, let's say, we do a six-man tag with the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship on the line. It's whatever. The Street Profits and Ricochet or whoever versus... Uh, the Usos and Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn does some nonsense. Jay Uso's mad at him. Jay Uso gets rolled up one, two, three. The Bloodline lose the undisputed tag championship. I would not be at all surprised to see that scenario happen and everything get built up for the swearing out ceremony. And and clearly it looks like Sami Zayn is getting thrown out. And then at the very last minute, in the final segment of this episode of SmackDown. It's Jey Uso that gets thrown out of the bloodline. 
wouldn't shock me at this point, as well as the Sami Zayn stuff is going. Hey, a lot of stuff is going well. This podcast is going well, and I have all of you to thank for that. So thank you. Thank you for doing it all. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash NotSamWrestling. Uh, over the weekend, I put up the video of my uh, uh, dissection of the Logan Paul Roman Reigns thing. I'm going to try to put up a video of the uh, White Rabbit breakdown. Uh, that's up over at youtube.com slash NotSamWrestling. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. <laughs>